Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. Really hope we see you there. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Really at the the center of my recovery is honesty. You've got to be honest. And you know, that's, that's really what kills in addiction you know it took me 27 years to understand saying i'm not okay was even an option hi no wait um hello no okay sorry Arlo. um hi welcome back no that i hate my i hate my own voice okay wait. Hi. That was good. No. Hello. No. Um, oh my god, I'm overthinking it. Hi, and welcome back to the Should I Delete? No, forgot what it was called. Hi, and welcome back to the Should I Delete That podcast. I'm Em Clarkson. And I'm Alex Light. And we fucking smashed that. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because, like, you had this we really weird manic monologue there. <laughs> I know. I, I, yeah, you're right. It isn't easy. I honestly, I could never be a newsreader. Imagine, imagine trying I to know, introduce the news. Hello, I'm Emily Clarkson. And welcome to the BBC News. <laughs> Hello. Oh. <laughs> Hello. Um, the BBC News. I mean, we haven't got time because we always told we have to hurry through the intros. But BBC, what a week! What an interesting topical week. Oh my in, god, what a week. What a week. We went super authoritarian there and then we bounced back just in time. <laughs> <laughs> got kind of scary, got kind of weird. <laughs> I was like, is this where we're going? No, how are yeah, you? No. Uh, me? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I- I'll wait to tell you. I'll wait uh, to tell you. How, how are you? How's your butthole? Is it stinging? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I asked that. Why have I done that? No, it's 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 so bad. It's so bad. Oh, no, tell, fine, tell the group. Fine, we'll start, forget the fact go. that you've got a newborn. I don't care. This no. is this is terrific. <laughs> We've both birthed something recently. <laughs> Guaranteed, mine weighed more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to hear about. It. I didn't um, even know until yesterday that you were sick. Oh my god! So. I got what I think has been the norovirus, right? And I've had stomach bugs before. I've had stomach viruses before. Nothing has ever been as bad as this ever in my life. I have felt like I have felt like there is a demon in my body trying to get out. It's the only way I can describe <laughs> it. I have been so sick. You're, I'm, you're going to think I'm being dramatic here. I'm not. You're going to think I'm making it up. I'm not. On Monday, when I first got it, and it was like really bad. And I couldn't get off bed, genuinely couldn't get off bed. No one else was in the house. But I was like, rang my mom and I was like, mom, I'm really hot, but also really cold and I'm scared. <laughs> I think I was like hallucinating a little bit. She's like, what are you scared about? And I was like, 
the end of the bed. <laughs> I was like, what? not well, like really not well. So she was like, right, go and get paracetamol. You need paracetamol to bring your fever down. I was like, the paracetamol's downstairs. I can't get there. And she was like, you'll be fine. You can get there. And I was like, I don't think you can I can't get there. Anyway, I tried to get there. So I got off, up off the bed. I walked like two steps. I fainted. You didn't. And I did. I fainted on the floor, on the ground. Everything went black. My legs oh my went to pure jelly and I woke up vomiting on the floor. Oh my God. Wooden or carpet? Wood, thank God. Oh, oh yeah, God. It, was, it, was, it was absolutely Finally, fine. Finally, Betty I'm might not... hate the floors, but that's really come swung round in your favour there. <laughs> Fucking hell, Al. What a dream. How bad that? Imagine if you'd have gone down the stairs. This could have had a... This could have had a I very know. morbid turn. Oh my God, are you okay? I've known, I, I don't know. know anyone that's just like collapsed. No, drama. Right. How how, how mid-century of you? I love it. There should Talk be about chairs it. long for you to collapse upon. <laughs> oh, I, I've got all my tethered. I I must collapse now. <laughs> I mean, talk about taking it to the next level though, right? And I feel like no, none of my family believe me. They're all like, oh yeah, you fainted. And I'm like, no, no, I full on whacked out and woke up vomiting. Good for you. I, I you. like the commitment. I'm impressed. You're such an overachiever. Scenes from the Exorcist all around this house. 100%. You see, most people would just be like, oh, I feel a little woozy. I'm going to sit down. Not you. You're like, no, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it fucking properly, actually. I'm up and I'm down. (laughs) (laughs) I've hit the fucking deck. Yes. (laughs) Drama. I love it. Inspiring. I'm moving nothing on the table. And so, yeah, horrendous, sick all day. And then that, so that night I get into bed. I don't think I told you this actually, right? So that night I get into bed and... I'm going back and forth to the toilet, back and forth, about every 10 minutes, going back and forth to the toilet. And Dave's just trying to get to sleep. He's put the white noise machine on and he's got his eye mask on. And I'm going back and forth, back and forth. And at some point I was like, I actually can't go back and forth anymore. I'm too cold. The floor's too cold. I'm too cold. I need to just stay in bed. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to try and get to sleep. I'm just going to shit myself. I'm just going to try and get to sleep. So I put my, I put my headphones in and I was listening to a podcast and I was actually feeling like the drowsiness and the warmth of like sleep sort of like washing over me. And then I felt actual warmth, right? No, 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 no. No, no, no. So I was like, it kind of brought me, it brought me out of the sleep. It brought me out of the drowse. And I was like, that's either Betty's pissed herself. Unlikely. I've shat myself. Most likely. Or I'm having a dream. I wake up, open the covers, and poor little Betty is sitting there and she's been sick. What? All over me. All over the covers, the biggest sick for a dog. Like she doesn't eat enough to justify that amount of sick. Like more sick than I produced. All over the bed, my side of the bed. Normally she just sleeps on, she she does sleep on Dave's side. She purposely migrated over to my side to vomit. I was covered. I was so cold. I was absolutely covered in sick. My hoodie, my t-shirt, my pants, even my knickers. I was absolutely covered in sick. The bed was soaked in sick. I have so and many questions. Like, why do, do it's one a.m. Why? 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 Why is she sick? Can I don't. You, can you share a neurovirus with the dog? Her. Yeah, oh, dogs can get it. What from humans? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my Wait, god. Wait, that could be misinformation, but I, I believe so. It's probably I, that's what misinformation. I've read. <laughs> it's probably misinformation. Oh my god, so it can happen. You gave yeah. Betty. Oh my god. 
I know. The petition know. to take her back to the streets of, streets of Cyprus continues. <laughs> I know. Wooden floors in the neurovirus. I mean, the poor creature. God. I honestly, like, I, the, my initial thought was, what the fuck? And then the next one, I just looked down at her and she's all shivery. And just like, lo- just like looking, at, looking up at me with, from her little pile of sick. And I was like, oh, Betty. So I was, I mean, Dave's fast asleep. He's fast Get asleep. Get the fuck up, Dave. Get up. I'm gonna clean off the sick and if he doesn't wake up at that point I'm just gonna leave the sheet on and let him sleep and that's what happened but I had to I had to get up have a shower take off obviously like change my clothes and, and sleep on the couch that. he slept through it all oh my god what did he think had happened when he woke up in the morning and there's just no you and a pile of sick <laughs> I'll teach you to put your fucking headphones in. Just leave a pile of sick next to him and go. He must have thought you did it as a dirty protest. Because he wouldn't know that the dog's got neurovirus. Because why would anyone think that you gave the dog neurovirus? He definitely thought you were just like, fuck it, blur, I'm out. <laughs> Morning. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Oh no. He didn't even notice. He came, he walked down and, and me and Betty on the sofa, like, <laughs> shivering, like sick as dogs. Oh, literally. And he was like, oh, did we just go up? I was like, no, 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 Dave. You we have not just got bunch. up. Oh, no. <laughs> been a night. So, yeah, there you go. That's my bad. I'm all, yeah, that's, all it. Of that's, it that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. I'm pretty awkward. I've been excited to get it all off my chest. Yeah, fair enough. Jesus, you've got it all out your chest as well. Out my chest, out my bum. Oh, God. Um, sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry for you. Uh, please, you've had enough about my butthole. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true, actually. It was my time to shine. My butthole's time to shine. Um, <laughs> how are you? What's going on? Okay, my, I've got bads, I've got awkwards, I've got goods. I've just got a plethora Excellent. of things. Um, right, so my bad, I've talked about it on Instagram, but I just need to make the story live. So on... Last week, I had to go to the dentist. Since Arlo's been born, I've had toothache, which has felt like the biggest insult to injure. I'm like, right, I've had a fucking cesarean in my toothaches. The, like, it was so annoying. Anyway, such is life. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to grow the fuck up and I'm going to go to the dentist. Now, I have been, if you are new to this, buckle up. Because in 2021, I had to have my jaw broken in three places and reset with a whole load of metal screws. And since then, it has not been a happy ending, dear caller. First, my front mm. tooth died, which was bleak and then one of my screws came loose then my sinus wall popped then I had to have another little surgery to remove two screws and four no four six screws and two plates so anyway a bunch of the metal was removed which was foul anyway since then I found another little screw sticking out my gum at the bottom now all the nerves in my mouth are dead so I have been completely ignoring it the whole way through my pregnancy I was like I'm just gonna pretend I never saw it I have plausible <laughs> deniability I don't know anything about it and um anyway so that's been there for a while and I've been completely avoiding the dentist I was like I'm so sick of all of it like I've had so much like trauma I just didn't fancy seeing any of them so I'm in complete denial and then after a while my tooth is really hurting and Alex was like I think you have a cavity I've never had a cavity before despite all of that I've had perfectly healthy teeth my whole life so I was like this sounds like a cavity I'm gonna go to the dentist so I went to the dentist I got to the dentist and the dentist was like you can't feel your teeth I was like yes I know I haven't been able to feel my teeth in two years and he was like why do you think you have toothache you can't feel your tooth I was like 
Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. I don't have toothache. What I have is one of the another fucking screw coming from God knows where I into it. I know one of the chances into my nerve slash ligament above my back tooth. So this is my bad. I have to go back to the surgeon and probably have more screws removed. I think I'm going to talk to them about having all the screws removed. I don't know. Anyway, very bad. But worse that day was pre the dentist. I took myself to Ore. The yes. fancy ass cafe to get myself a baked good. Yeah. Because I thought if if I do have a cavity, I might never be able to eat sugar again. Because I don't know how this <laughs> that's works. How it works. So I'm I didn't know. No, Alec, that's what Alex told me, and yeah, I yeah. was like, "What?" That's okay. it. No, so I was no like, sugar well, ever again. "Well, lucky I don't have a cavity, so I've got three kilos of jelly beans <laughs> in the kitchen I need to get through." Um, anyway, so I got my croissant. Now, my this croissant? thing was light as hell. My croissant, my little French snack. And I, I put it on top of the buggy because I needed my hand to open the door. And I got out and I pushed the buggy and a gust of wind <laughs> picked up the whole bag with my... Sorry. Picked up the whole bag with my snack in it. And it flew, like, before my very eyes. And then the croissant came out the bag. So then the bag's gone one way and the croissant is just flying down the King's Road. I was like, oh my God, and of all the streets and my fancy croissant to go down as well. I was like flying down the road and and then it came to a landing. Like so many people DM me being like, 10 second rule. I was like, I don't think you understand how long it travelled for. It's so far away from me. It's on, been on the ground for about 15 minutes. It's been under like, like 15 cars. <laughs> just rolling and rolling and rolling. And it was so, and it wasn't just a thing that I was like, oh my croissant. Like everyone was like, look, a croissant. Like, we were all just like watching it like fly down the road, which for some reason was so embarrassing. I was like, I can't imagine how embarrassing it would be to chase the thing so then I had to let it go but then there was this like sad moment where everyone realised that it had come to a stop and then like the show's over and then everyone carried on with their day and that was that was a really hard thing for me to do it was hard for me to carry on with (laughs) my day just I'm embarrassed. I'm really embarrassed. I know. Though. It was just bad. I was like, <laughs> right, just let it go. And then we went back into Ore and the woman had seen the whole thing and she just gave us another one for free. Oh, which was bless very nice. her. That's really sweet. Yeah. I feel like that she... was what you deserved. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So I was a bit mortified about the teeth and the screw situation, but then I was just, I was, that was That's just way the more. cherry on the cake, yeah, really. Yeah. The croissant was way worse. That's way worse. Don't compare. <laughs> What's, no, a bit of, what's a bit of head surgery, face surgery, you no, know? No, this is the humiliation of watching your fucking pastry rock, <laughs> blow, fly down the street. Um, and that would have been my awkward, you know, if it weren't for the fact that on the same street I came and met you for lunch last Friday. Yeah. And I didn't tell you this, but it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me, probably. <laughs> it wasn't, but it wasn't great. Um, you know, I sent you a text beforehand um, saying that I was listening to James Blunt to get into the spirit of seeing you. Yeah. Because we I know you love James. Yeah. And so I was listening to James Blunt in the car and me and Alex were listening to Wise Men because it's a fucking anthem. Yeah. Oh, and so, so, so so underrated. I just, he just doesn't get the love that he deserves. I know. That upsets T- me. Tell me about it. Don't um, get me started. I know, really sad. Anyway, I was listening to him in the car, really getting into it, because there is so much passion in that song. Like, there were three wise men just trying to have some fun, and now look <laughs> who's alone, because it's not him. It's not me. Anyway, I, we were walking down the street, 
with a buggy, with with Boa, with Alex, and with single file. I was with the buggy. He went ahead with Boa and himself. And I was with the buggy. And in my head, I was walking with Alex, even though he was ahead of me. I've been in my own little bubble for the last few weeks. And I was singing. I was just singing. I was singing to Arlo. I was singing to myself. And I was singing for you because I was so excited to come and see you. So I was like, look who's alone now. And I was loud and I was bad, obviously. Turned around. Who the fuck's that behind me? I don't know. Is he wearing headphones? No. And he just smiles at me and then walks alongside me for a bit. I was like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. And then he's just like, rushes past. So I don't know how long he was following me for. <laughs> Look who's, who's alone now. It's not, not me. me. It's, it's not, not me. me. <laughs> and Alex was like, but you are alone. <laughs> like I was walking alone singing. <laughs> and I don't remember any of the other. And then I was going... Um, those three wise men, they've got a semi by the sea. And I never know if he's talking about an erection or a little I, mean, I know, I, I think the same, I think the same. It's, un- it's ambiguous. Um, it is ambiguous. I'm like, why have they all got semis? Like, it's kind of weird. Like, surely one of them could commit. Like, they're all just like a little bit like, all right then. Cushions oh, on their guys. <laughs> uh, three guys then they've got it and also just one semi between them <laughs> <laughs> I've got such song. a weird visual right now <laughs> I know I've got three men just with one semi I'm going to google it <laughs> ow my tummy hurts <laughs> So does mine. <laughs> Sammy by the sea. <laughs> what, what does Google say? Oh, here's a thought. When James Blunt sang about three mice men by a semi with a semi by the sea, did they live in a semi-detached house on the coast or did they get their knobs out on a beach? <laughs> you know, we have to get James Blunt on this podcast, first of all, to answer that question. And second of all, because Please. you might remember in Pomfire Night when I went to that party that he was randomly there at and Katia felt my sister Katia fell over yes. and he was the only other person in the room. <laughs> Oh, James, oh. you don't know. Oh, James, <laughs> you should give brought a smile to our faces. <laughs> oh, yeah, lol. Um, anyway, have you got anything good? Probably. Um, yes, what do I have? Oh, oh. Oh, no. Drive to survive. <gasps> yes, are you loving it? I am obsessed. Quick I'm obsessed. Question, quick question to Formula One cast, have back seats. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know if they've got a boot though, actually. Obviously Maybe you've got a little boot. Obviously not. No, obviously not. <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> um, tell me, are you loving it? Where have you got to? I am Who are you loving? obsessed with it. I am, oh my God. Oh, okay, okay. I fancy so much Toto Wolf. Thank God you said that, me too. Oh my God, I think he's so fit. I fancy him more than I any of the I think he's the most drivers. attractive man I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely agree. And he's so serious about his cut. I'm like, uh, oh, the passion. Uh, oh, I was the, so oh, scared passion. you were going to say Daniel Ricciardo and I was going to have to hang up the call because he's got like a cockhold over like all the women in the world, but it's Toto. It's Toto. Toto. It's Toto. I am, I am like... And the oh. fun thing is, I'm so obsessed with his wife. You know, I'm so happy you're on this train now because I really wanted his wife on the podcast last year, which will now be a bit weird if she commits because we've just gone on this massive thing about mm. how fit her husband is. But... Mm, um, 
I know, but oh she's amazing. Oh my god, amazing. you did, and I was just like, oh, yeah, don't you know. Like, oh, I, I don't, don't know. know. I'm not really into cars. I don't know, but she's amazing. So she's a driver. Yeah, yeah, and I think she's a Mercedes CFO, and then she's been head of Formula E. Like she's epic. So we want. Oh her. my god. We, oh my God, I would literally love that. I'm so happy you're on the Formula One train. Finally, finally. I'll never get off of it. I'll never get off of it. It's so good. What season are you up to? I've I've heard that before. I've heard it with the drums. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's been, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I, I do feel like this is the day though. I've heard it with the boxing, but it's okay. I believe it this time. (laughs) This, This is here to stay though. So I'm on season two. Coming to the end of season two. You've got such a good life ahead of you. I might rewatch them all oh just my for the joy. But I can't, like, oh, I don't know. I, I'm getting so invested and I'm feeling so sorry for the ones that aren't succeeding. I know. And then I'm having to remember that, like, I know. doing pretty well. I know, they're absolutely fine. It is crushing, though. They're absolutely I, fine. Who's your favourite driver? I mean, season two is a very different situation. The um, world's changed. Really, but. really don't like Max Verstappen. Really don't like him. See, I love Max Verstappen. I that, think he's just really mean. No, 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 that shows. I genuinely, we'll talk about this at another time, probably when we're not on here because most people don't care. Um, but I think he's been done really dirty by the editing because he's very rarely oh. in that show. And I think it's because he just wasn't that bothered. He's kind of focused on the racing. I follow him on Instagram, but also the more right. he's got into the show, the more the show's got bigger and the more more drivers are into it. I think he's in it more. I think people do uh, team up as the bad guy, which is fair enough. But if you actually listen, I, I find when you listen to his radio stuff, he's always like, well done, team. Thanks, team. How's the little... Like, I just think... Oh, that's nice. I know. Okay, and, now I feel and, bad. And he's got... A, no, no, I get it, because I felt the same. But then he's got his girlfriend, and, and she's got a kid, and he's, like, stepdadding the kid. And I don't know. I just... I don't think he's as bad oh. as what everyone... I know. I don't think he's as bad okay, as what take everyone it back. says. Well, not necessarily. Keep watching it. Make your own mind up, because I don't know. I just... I changed my mind a bit as we got further on. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, so, so is is it season three it's season five now? you're so oh my lucky god, this, you've this got so, so much. good this is such oh good god, news okay, we're gonna text so, can I'm you just text so me consistently behind. as you're watching it like i want to hear everything i want to hear who you're talking yes. about what races yes. you're at oh my god, this makes me so happy okay oh my god i'm in my f1 era it's, um, i love the f1 i'm so excited that you're with me oh it's so good yes we can watch it in but how together. Do, oh my god doesn't it make you think like what else is there in the world that i am just missing out on because before, like last week, I just didn't know this whole world existed, and now it's my entire world. I know, I know. <laughs> That's your exhausting, of. impulsive life. I know, I know. It's sad, but I'm obsessed. No, I'm, it. I'm, I'm not sad. I'm delighted. Um, okay, but that makes speaking me of so worlds, yeah. I'd just like you to know that I don't know if I'm comfortable continuing to exist in a world where that bug can happen to me again. Tough. The thing is, is it was you are so alive, awful. Al, and you have to keep being alive, and you're just gonna have to make your peace with the fact that there are bad bugs out there. You know, pretty deep shit. It's so awful. I don't wish it on anyone. I don't wish it on anyone. Not even on Putin. Oh, I don't know about that. No, put it on him. Give it to him. Oh, him shitting through the eye of a needle with a nice shiny butthole that he's polished. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like a genie (laughs) just rubbing in. (laughs) Um, I'm going to ask David if he'll have a look and I'll see if it's shiny. It'll be like glinting. You'll see his own reflection in it. Anyway, enough of that. Okay, before um, we go into today's interview, oh, my good. Um, my good is a little one. My good stem from my bad. Alex, sorry, if you can hear little snores, it's my infant. <laughs> Alex went back to the office today 
and like he's gone back to work and um i am i'm i'm flying solo um what's that jason derulo song i'm riding solo anyway great song um (laughs) and yeah i'm going on my own which has been kind of fine kind of a bit overwhelming and yesterday i did my first because i had a cesarean so i've been like easy on the well i've been walking a long way but like i haven't been holding booers it was my first walk with booer and arlo yesterday and i was like out on my own and my little AirPods on, and it's like it was just quite a big thing for me to do on my yeah. own with the gas. A lot, yeah, it was okay, but I was just feeling a little bit overwhelmed and like fine, but just you know, when you're like a little bit like, like this, and I was feeling a little bit anxious. And then I was just walking up the street, and um, a girl smiled at me, and she was like, "Oh, I, I love the podcast," and I oh. just was like, "Oh, thanks for being here." And then I just got a bit teary oh. randomly by myself and just like carried on walking, and then I felt way better. And it was just like a really lovely thing of just like you know you're just feeling a bit shit and a bit like I'm not that's shit, so lovely. Yeah, I was just feeling a bit. Oh my like, god! Frail. Hi to that girl. I know. Thanks so much. Did Honestly, you catch her it, name? No, it was we were like passing, oh. like just literally like she. I was just like we were just passing on the pavement. She's like, I love the podcast, and I was like, oh my god. And it just made me remember how much like a little thing can boost someone else. Else's day, like you know, when you're yeah, feeling totally. a bit wobbly, and I, I maybe it's because I haven't been out in public on my own, and sometimes just a smile or whatever it can really just make you like, oh. Um, so I just really appreciated it. I was, it was like, that's um, so nice. Yeah, I was probably she was probably like, Aww. that was intense from her. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's just really nice. So thank you if you're, if you're still Big listening. Thank you to that girl. I, I feel like her name's Angela. I don't know. It just came to me or Claire. Oh, I don't know. It just came to me. Um, so it's probably not. <laughs> it's probably definitely not. <laughs> I mean, one of the jobs, if it is, then that's fucking weird. Did you plant her to Could make be... me feel better on my first day by myself? <laughs> yes. Angela, I'll give you a way to test now. my <laughs> psychic abilities. Nice. Okay, well, um, today's podcast, we've talked for too long again. Um, today's... We've talked for way too long, for fuck's sake. It's almost half an hour. What is wrong with us? Um, so today on the podcast, I'm so excited by this episode. And I'm like really grateful that we got to do it. This is my friend, Ali Gill, who is a chef. Oh my god! Actually, we talked about mm. it before. We like he just yeah chefing. We need to eat his food. Um. Anyway, yes. that just reminded me. Oh, god, so happy to think about it. Anyway, um, he's a chef <laughs> and uh, a writer, and he is also a recovered alcoholic. And we talked about his recovery. We spoke about uh, his journey to recovery, about about rehab, about life sober. Um, and it was just like an really lovely and amazing conversation and I'm really grateful that we got to have it yeah it was it was so cool that he came in and he was so uh like he was a total open book wasn't he he was was literally like ask me anything and we did I feel like at some points I was like am I pushing this too far but it was a it was a really fascinating conversation and I enjoyed it all until the very end when he left and I tried to kiss him (laughs) this is the person if you listen to episodes pre-baby that Al tried to snog on the way out <laughs> it was I think it was my awkward one week was it yes. yeah it must have been so there's now awkward, a restraining yeah. order and um we've legally fought to have this episode ahead because he wants nothing to do with us which is fair enough <laughs> I get it. It's so weird as well because he's not been answering the door either and I just don't get it. Like You've been there just shitting and sicking all over his doorstep <laughs> and he just wants absolutely... It's the weirdest thing. Ali! <laughs> oh my God, I hope he doesn't listen to this. It's so, it's so fucking weird. He's just definitely um, going to listen to this. Yeah, well, I'm so sorry about <laughs> the potential kiss that I, I tried to make happen. Um, and for shitting on your doorstep. 
I'm not sure which was worse. Enjoy the interview. We'll see you on Thursday. Enjoy. Bye. Ali, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks. So we haven't had a man in a while. We haven't actually, no. Wishes have come true. Here I am. Thanks so much. (laughs) Um, There's so much we want to talk to you about, but I'm going to give some context. I've known you for like... Trying to work it out this morning. Since the seventh Harry Potter book came out. Yes, I remember that. I remember it so clearly. That is such a weird <laughs> reference, Em. No. I've known you since the Harry, seventh Harry Potter book came out. Scott, but sorry. these guys came to the Isle of Man with um, their dad, Ali, and his sister came with their dad to come stay with my family in the Isle of Man. And it was my birthday because that's when the Harry Potter book came out. And it, we queued. We went to mm. WH Smith Did in Douglas mean? at midnight and we queued. For the seventh Harry Potter yeah, book. I remember wow. I remember your brother putting Sharpies all over his face with the big glasses and the and the lightning bolt. And the second we turned up to see the queue, he suddenly thought, What the fuck have I done? <laughs> That's so funny. Hiding behind everyone, going, shit, I'm it's that guy. Not as funny as I thought yeah. it was. Yeah. And then your sister read the whole book I know. in like a day. And then I just looked up what happened and I think oh, might have leaked it. <laughs> Might have leaked it to the gang. I remember, I, th- I think your mum said, that's awful, you can't do that. It's like telling a child that Santa Claus doesn't exist. And so I went, oh, well, I've got another spoiler for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so fun. So that's, yeah, I mean, like, okay, when did I, that, when was that? 2000 and, I don't know. I've known you for like, coming on two time. decades. Yeah. yeah. Um, and our dads were very good friends. Mm-hmm. And you recently wrote an article in Tatler, which I read, and it was amazing for lots of reasons most notably having known your dad reading it it was like reading him again which Mm. was just amazing um but you shared your story of getting clean and sober and your dad's involvement in that um for anybody that doesn't know uh your dad was AA girl who is a very famous food critic and journalist and a lovely human being and he was also an alcoholic mm. and he wrote a brilliant book called Poor Me a Life which was about his alcoholism and his getting clean and sober and it was amazing and you read it when you were in rehab yeah in a rehab yeah and you got this guidance from your dad from beyond the grave and you wrote about it so beautifully and I'm really grateful that you came to talk to us about it because yeah I just as a friend I'm so interested in it but I just think as well as like the journey that you've been on is just kind of beautiful in a way um so we'd love to talk to you about it if you wouldn't mind yeah well so beautifully put thank you so much yeah yeah it's been um uh, a remarkable journey it's uh you know I think for a lot of uh people in their in their addicts in their program to get um it just takes one share really for it to click and to understand, oh, these people are actually like me. Maybe these people are as broken as I am. And maybe there is a chance for a new life because I can see something else that I identify with. Um, and it just so happened that mine sort of happened to be my dead dad's. Because <laughs> you never knew your dad when he was drunk. No, no, no. And he always says that was said that was one of his greatest achievements and like joys was that your family never knew him mm. as a drunk. Yeah. Which I guess must have been really weird for you reading that book. Totally. And like seeing a different... Yeah, completely. Because it was, I suppose, you know, I, I'd always completely disassociated what he had been through 
um, to be anything similar to what I was going through because you don't see it. I, you know, there's also, I suppose, a bit of a danger in that um, in many ways because you only see really the alcoholics and addicts who kind of made it. You know, mm. you don't see all the people we lost along the way. Um, but uh, yeah, so to read his story and it just literally could have been, it, it was describing everything I was feeling and it was remarkably, um, I don't even know the words, you know, it was just, yeah, <laughs> trying to think of it, I can't. It's so unique, like it, this this situation, I don't, I, I mean, in lots of ways. Mm. In, in, I, you said in the, the Tatler thing that alcoholism is genetic or could be genetic yeah um so I suppose in lots of ways the situation probably isn't unique but I think mm. you know for a lot of maybe children of, of addicts it's something that they will be confronted with at some point yeah but I guess the scale that you've done it on mm. is probably yeah and it, well it's it's um it's interesting a lot of people are very conflicted about that you know, about what, what makes an addict, you know, it can, and I think there are variables that can make one trauma can for sure trigger that kind of stuff. But for me, you know, I can only talk on behalf of myself. I don't speak on behalf of addicts or mm -hmm. any program, but for me, uh, it's very clear that I was born one, mm. you know, cause the traits that make me one have always been there. Mm. I've always been on a completely different path to everybody else. And Although, you know, my first drinks probably didn't look different to everyone else around me. There was something else different. It was something, it triggered something else different in me. Really? Yeah. And from, you know, early days on, if in my early teenage years, even though I wasn't doing it every day, it was for sure what I was thinking about every day. And really? I couldn't understand why everyone else didn't want to do it all the time after unlocking it. Right. And, you know, I think there was never that thought process of... Uh, drugs and alcohol I've got to be careful of that it was much more there's something that can make me feel different what is that I've got to get my hands on that and I think that's a big show even at that age a discomfort I had in my own skin yeah. you know I was addicted to it before I'd even tried it yeah mm. it's funny because when you when you were talking about the yeah the hereditary na nature of alcoholism or addiction I was thinking what you were saying is like, you know, some it's like a there's a genetic suscept susceptibility, mm. but what you're describing actually sounds like a lot stronger than a predisposition. Mm. It sounds like something bigger than that. Is that how it, how it felt? Yeah, I think, I, well, I, I, I think, again, like I said, there's a lot of conflict around it. But when, if you look at the stats of um, it being passed down, it's sort of undeniable. Yeah. You know, it runs in families. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, yeah, like I said, yeah, I think there's a lot of different things that can trigger people to go off the rails. But for me, it was, I am, I was born an addict. I, I am an addict and I always will be. Yeah. Yeah, I have to carry on saying that I am an addict. Mm -hmm. because, and people sometimes get quite taken back by that. You know, they're like, oh, but you were an alcoholic. It's no, because if I say I was, that means, that implies I could pick up a drink now and I'd be fine when I wouldn't. We can test it if you want. <laughs> no, I, I do not want that on my conscience. You've got insurance. Yeah, yeah. I'll just be in so much trouble with everyone. Um, with with the, um, the early, uh, like the early drinks that you had, mm. like how, like how, I don't know, what, what was your teen drinking like? Like, I mean, because I was trying to think, I was like, I, I think I had quite a unique 
exposure to alcohol. Um, and I don't know why, but then I, I don't know, does everybody, I, it's really weird. You don't talk about it as an adult yeah. um, about how everybody else drunk as a teenager and everybody else yeah. is like kind of um, enjoyment of it or fear of it or feelings around it. Um, but like, were you ever aware at any point that it was just like, weird or different or yeah I uh, I think you'll probably yeah I think I probably did know I was different but in the sense of like you just said you know you, you're not an addict but there was a time where you were drinking sure like like all teenagers were mm. so I guess you can kind of camouflage in that mm. uh, it's not obvious you yeah. know it's the teenager you know getting fucked up all the time yeah it's nothing new but um it was it was taking form in other ways, in the in the sense of you know, I wasn't, I couldn't sit down and do you know any work or anything that I was supposed to be doing. Uh, it was I couldn't understand why everyone wasn't just pissed all the time. I still can't really, <laughs> you know, it confuses me. Because you enjoyed the feeling like so yeah, much. And was it just ultimate escapism? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I suppose it is in a sense. It's and it's obsession, you know. Yeah. Um. And it was something that I could get gratification out of instantly because I didn't have that in anything else. You know, I couldn't, I didn't get stimulated by working and having drive and, you know, getting a reward system in that sense. There's something else I can take that will make me feel good. Um, and then ultimately, yeah, I guess, I guess I took it from a young age thinking it was liberating me in some way but ultimately it put me in chains from it because you didn't do great at school no <laughs> thanks words for that in your mouth yeah <laughs> you did really badly at school that's really polite yeah cheers to <laughs> um, go again it affected your school it affected your education much more diplomatic yeah, yeah sorry. big time uh, but um you know, it's kind of like what part of that would have, you know, I also, I got kicked out of every school I mm. went to for drug tests. They were really a big thing when I was growing up. Mm. My school did a lot of drugs tests. Did yeah. they? Yeah. Really? Seriously? Yeah. So mm. I probably wouldn't have lasted long there. No. No. <laughs> were they a coincidental blood test, a drug test? No. I mean, I was just walking around completely dopey eyed all the time, I think. Yeah, they got suspicious. I think they got suspicious. Yeah, yeah. Like, so who keeps eating all the Cheetos? <laughs> <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> so how quickly did you move 
like graduate mm. from alcohol to drugs. Uh, pretty, they went pretty hand in hand. I think they really? started around the same time. Oh, yeah, really? I around, yeah, okay. I started experimenting 12, 13. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, that is unusual, I think. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a weird one because it's, you then sort of naturally surround yourself with other people who are kind of doing that. Mm. That's sort of what I meant before. It's like you don't know if your experience is different because the people you experienced it with are your people. Mm. So, and they share your experience. You, you very rarely talk to other adults about what they did as teenagers yeah. to know if what you were doing was the same. Yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's a very good point. How do you compare? You know, it's, it, it took me, it was, it was kind of mind blowing to, to kind of understand that it's not unusual for people to start. Uh, like trying their first spliff at uni. I was just like, what? <laughs> Did you know that your dad was an alcoholic? Yeah. He, he said that he, he managed to keep it from you. Or... Yeah, no, no, no. He, he was very open about it. Yeah. And, you know, I understand that now because it's it's really at the, the centre of my recovery is honesty. You've got to be honest. And, you know, that's that's really what kills in addiction is... You're, you're covering up, you're lying, you're convincing yourself and everybody else around you that you're fine. You know, it took me 27 years to understand saying I'm not okay was even an option. Whenever asked, it's, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. This is fine. If someone would dig a deep further, dig a, deep, a bit, <laughs> dig a bit further, you could, you know, really get good at talking your way out of it. You're always making up lies. Like even like if I show up to... I don't know, a lunch and I was obviously pissed. And someone might say, oh, why, why are you drunk? I'd always make up something like, oh, well, I just saw an old friend, you know, and we decided to get an early pint for a laugh. When the truth is, I'd just woken up and I needed a drink. Mm. Do you think your dad saw that? I don't know. I, I can't speak on behalf of it. You know, I was, I wasn't very... My parents are incredibly loving and I owe the world to them, but I wasn't very present in anyone's lives. I was, I could get up to my own stuff. Mm. And, you know, that's also, I suppose, a bit of a sorrow in my life that, you know, I wasn't that present with dad towards the last few years just because I was off doing my own thing. Mm. And, you know, I didn't, I, I wanted to isolate. Um. So, yeah, I could, I don't think people saw a lot to question because I self-isolated quite a lot. You know, I was a very implosive addict as opposed to explosive. Mm. Yeah, because you didn't, you kind of, I guess that was, you got, you went to rehab when you were 27, but that's like 15 years of, because, mm. and you weren't, yeah. you could, I guess, like, live live like that because you didn't have like kids or you know like um and the friends that you create the life that you, you curate for yourself was and was that what your 20s was like was it like did, were you surrounded by people that were doing this with you uh yes and no I mean those are the only people I would see if I did go to see them but you know towards the end for a few years I I I just shut off you know, I didn't want to see anyone. I, I had friends who would get fucked up a lot, but they, they also kind of enjoyed the going out and getting fucked. I didn't want the going out part. I could do everything I wanted and everything I thought I needed from 
home. Yeah, yeah, from home. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was it's also you know a, a lot of shame. I didn't I didn't want to go out because I I really had it in my head the shame people must feel to be associated with me at a party. I knew I was that guy. If I went out, I tried to talk to someone, they you couldn't understand what I was saying. I was that kind of slurry, kind of all over the place. So I just didn't want to see anyone. Mm. That's so isolating. And I'm not saying that, like, it's better to be the type of alcoholic that, like, wants to go out and get fucked up and have a good time out. But mm. that just strikes me as so isolating. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in a way, I'm very glad I wasn't that alcoholic because, you know, yeah. in our program, step eight and nine is make amends and you've got to go out and say sorry to everyone. <laughs> and, yeah, you've got to knock on those doors and say, look, that was me took a shit on your doorstep last year. I'm really sorry. <laughs> so my list isn't that big, hopefully. <laughs> okay, that's one positive. That's good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the little things, you know. <laughs> did you know that you were an alcoholic and an addict? Um, you, on a conscious level, did you know that? Yes, but I would never have put that label on it. No. So, you know, did I need drugs and booze every day? Yeah, of course I did. You know, and that was actually... I'd be tricky not to, I'll be careful not to romanticize it, but it was, it's, yeah, that was my only worry for the day. Uh, am I going to have enough substance to get through? Um, so, but I would, but you know, I knew about, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, but my, uh, I, w- I would have thought, you know, that's, that's not me. No, no one in there has my issues. No one in there is as broken as I am. Um, but it turned out they all were, which was great. <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 It's all. Yeah. It's all. And yeah, that's why you really need those rooms as an addict because no one else is really going to understand. I think, and people people want to understand, and they want to put you in a box that makes sense to them. And you know, you have amazing people in my life who are very supportive, but you. That you'll never fully grasp it, and it works with all mental di- disorders or disease. You know, people who have been drunk before think they might know what it's like to be an alcoholic. People who have been sad think they might know what it's like to be depressed. Even with eating, people who struggle with weight might think they know what it's like to have an eating disorder. Um, and that's where it can get dangerous, because then they can start having opinions about it that are false, like it's not a real disease. When anything that makes you piss the bed, throw up and end up in hospital is a disease. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. anybody um, confront you? I think you mentioned in the... Because eventually the thing that took you to rehab was a doctor mm. and a clinical diagnosis. Mm. And it wasn't really a negotiation because your health was at bad. Breaking <laughs> point. Think, yeah. yeah, bad. Bad. <laughs> Good <laughs> your, your health yeah. was bad. <laughs> Um, Rubbish. Yeah, sorry. Crack. Really Um, crap health, Al. What are you going to do? Sorry, you had crap health um, and a clinical diagnosis of alcoholism and drug addiction. But before that, had anybody said to you, you have a problem and you have to get help? Yeah, a bit. But, you know, it's uh, I don't really surround myself with those people. And it's almost like you're doing it um, on autopilot, you're working. You you hear a lot about um, addiction having its own sort of conscious within within addicts, 
And again, it's a conflicting thing that people believe, but I it really clicks with me because mine's still with me. And it's, you know, cunning and it wants to get me by myself. And, you know, it's that thought process of, oh, if something goes shit, oh, but maybe, maybe you could do this. Or maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we, we'd be all right with a drink. Mm. And it's bizarre, this thing that is actually, you know, trying to fight you. Mm. Um, and again, that's how I know it's always been there because I've always had that. Mm. Mm. What did you go to the doctors? <laughs> this is so nosy. Like, why did you go to the doctors? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but did you go to the doctors for an alcohol-related problem? Uh, yeah, as- I had. I had. I had. I think I had a pretty big breakdown. It was the first time I had kind of said, I, "I'm just not. I'm not well. I don't know what's wrong with me." And I, I, I had also got quite physically sick. Yeah, I couldn't really keep my booze down. Really which turned out to be early stage cirrhosis in my liver. Right. Um, amongst many other things, scarring in my bladder and stuff in my blood, all from around drinking drugs. Um, and uh, when I went to the doctor and she told me this after the blood test, uh, I remember she said, do you really want to be drinking and doing drugs? And I remember it really confused me I didn't really understand what she was asking me. Do I want to be doing it? I don't know. This is, this is, you know, this is what I need. Uh, and then after she told me uh, about my early stage cirrhosis, you know, I almost got a slight giddiness came up over me because my thought process then was, well, what drugs can you give me for that? You know, it was another mm. thing of, I can get something out of this. Uh, and it's just it's just so weird looking back on it now and just how oblivious you are to not putting those dots together. And then, you know, she said, I'm going to book you into a rehab unless you object. And that was probably the most biggest moment of my life. Really? Yeah. You know, I think it was, I think it's quite unconventional for doctors to say that as well. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, I'm going to book you into rehab. Yeah. Um, and yeah. That was the beginning of the rest of my life. And you didn't like verbally object, but was your like whole body screaming. Yeah, you know, it's again that voice. Yeah. Okay, no, what fuck this. Yeah. Let's go to the pub. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank God I did. Thank God I didn't object. Mm. Before you went to rehab, what year was that? This was 2020. So that was four years after your dad died? Yeah. And we don't have to talk about this at all. That's all right. But, I mean, it's the worst loss in, in the world. Mm. And did that compound the isolation and the drinking? When he died? You? Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely put it into a new category. It put me into a new category of, I suppose, um, really thinking I had reason behind what I was doing and that no one had the right to tell me different. And they didn't really. No. You know, you don't understand what I'm going through. Um, I, this, is, this, is, this is my life. This is how I'm dealing with it. Yeah, it's your grief. And, but I wasn't dealing with it. I was pushing it way down. Um, and, yeah, you know, people sometimes ask me if you know, they've lost a loved one. Have you got any advice? Oh, like, no, <laughs> I do not have any advice. <laughs> In fact, can you give me some? <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> yeah, I suppose that's the worst. The worst thing for it's such a cruel. I think you described it as a cage, but mm. it's that you've created for your life you, this isolation, and then the worst happens, and then you can just sit further isolated by mm. what's happened. Yeah, and what's happening exactly, and just you know, just drown in it. Yeah. I totally drowned in it and was just self-medicating. Um, and, you know, I just, I'd given up, totally given up. But then, you know, it's hard, it's, it's hard to, I don't know whether I'd say I'd given up or, you know, it's even like now, I don't know if I would say I've got my life back. I, you know, I've got a life. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I never had one before. I was never in that situation where, oh, I've got something back. I fell and now I've got it back. Mm. It's always been there. And this was the moment where I've just entered the game of life, I feel. So you're making something new now. Yeah. It's just like beginning life. It really is. And before we talk about your trip to rehab, like your life now, you're smashing it. Uh, like you're cooking. <laughs> like my vegan ass, every time Ali puts something on Instagram, I'm like, I can eat that. <laughs> and it's just like red beef. You're like, vegan? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, why you tell me? I wouldn't have come on. I know. <laughs> I was going to ask him to bring something to eat. And then I was like... I have to tell him that I'm vegan really? and then he woke up. Um, yeah. Wow. I'm, I know, mad. Yes, yeah, so we spun around there, but you are cooking now. <laughs> I'm and cooking, yeah. smashing it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it looks, I mean, obviously it's, social media is a lie, but yeah, social media is a lie. It is, it's a great, it's a great gig. Yeah, I love it. You know, because that was always the other thing, you know, my growing up, that was the kitchens took me in as, you know, when I was like 18, 19. Mm. And I could, uh, they're, they're a weird one, kitchens, because they often attract a certain type of nomad. You know, when you leave with no, qual- I had no qualifications, nowhere else to work, the kitchen will take you in. Mm. And I would always have little brief stints of, oh, this is, you know, my life looking like it's better again. But I could never hold down a job for more than a couple of months. Mm. And it was only, it only worked because it was a job that was almost quite accepting of, being an addict there, there does seem to like a uh, reputation around chefs mm. and drugs there's like a there's a yeah know, yeah yeah well, so for two reasons the, the one I just said now mm. of you know it will take you in no matter what you're yeah it's quite an easy job to get a hard job to climb yeah so and then the other side of it is just the stress yeah the stress of and the just unholy hours it's where you've got no life mm. um and you're, yeah, it's also a very isolating job. You know, you're not, you're not really part of the restaurant. No. You're kind of hidden away and you're not under the orders of management of the restaurant, really. You're under, you're just under your head chef. Mm. And usually he's one of you. <laughs> <laughs> the captain. <laughs> Sorry, um, curveball. But did you watch Boiling Point? Yes. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh my God. I, I didn't so breathe good. for the entire time. It was good, except for the ending. <sighs> didn't like it. The, end, the ending ruined it. Yeah. It, and it just didn't need it. Did he die? Oh, yeah. I couldn't work it out. I couldn't work it out. I was like, oh, we're we just waiting for a season two. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh my God. I was all done in one take as well. I know. It's crazy. I know. It's amazing that. <sighs> so good. I love anyway. the KP as well, the French KP. Mm. Yeah, he goes out to pick up, doesn't he? He's mm. so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
but that just reminds when you said about the like the stress of the kid, it looks unbelievable, like an incredibly stressful. Mm, you mm. couldn't do I've it for one just fucking found minute. The worst job for you, and it would be a chef. Yeah, absolutely. I'll come here. Yeah, well, let's let's do a shift. <laughs> oh my god, we'll do that. Yeah, she it, can't. I asked I can't her to boil even... a whole load of broad beans the other day. She came back in such a state, and she was like. How? Uh, <laughs> no, I was just like, I need specifics. Like, how long? How much water? Do I wash them first? Like, you can't just give me a packet and be like, off you go. Yeah, um, you can't do More that. for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, need, I need instructions. Come on. Honestly, I was like, oh, for fuck's oh, sake. That's great. Yeah, that's going to be, please. Yeah. It would be hilarious. Yeah. Do that. For so everyone good. else apart from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, yeah, yeah. Mess, but... I'd be up for that. Back to you. You went to rehab when you were when you didn't object you you I didn't went object, no. you described the train journey mm. going to rehab with your mum and your sister um and about how your dad had also just told you mm. about the train journey that he'd been on on his way to rehab which did sound like a bit of a romanticization of totally wasn't it yeah, yeah having the champagne yeah two bottles <laughs> and... to, also to wiltshire yeah, and I was going to Scotland, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there was it was just it was like it was like someone was playing a prank on me mm-hmm. that there was no really? booze available on the train. Yeah. Really, was it? Who does that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you were without alcohol at that point before mm. you went to rehab, what did it feel like? Was it like a physical pain or like an like a mental pain? Without alcohol on. On on the train, yeah. For for example, yeah, because you were having alcohol so like you know it sounds like every yeah it was it's my first thing hours. Of, yeah, in a sense, it was my first you know few hours of uh, I need a drink. Where is it? Yeah, it's like oh, but I'm in this situation where I'm going to rehab. I forgot about that. Um, but I was on a few other things. I think <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was incredibly. It was an incredibly emotional train ride. Even though I was sort of just numbly looking out the window, I didn't want really want to talk to my mother or sister. And they kept checking in so sweetly, but there was just I was just thinking about dad really. Yeah. Cause it was also, you know, I got plucked that memory that I, I didn't even really know I had of him telling me about his train journey. It wasn't something that I thought about. This is something I remembered. Maybe say him and his grand, me and him, him and my granddad shared their last bottle of champagne on the way. Huzzah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Cuban that. cigars. Yeah. <laughs> One last hurrah. You wrote something. Um, I'm going to butcher it now, but you said that you trade in all of the all of the special moments with him just to have a few, just to speak to him for a few words at that mm. point. Uh, that made me cry. It was so. Yeah, it's so it's so emotional. I can just like imagine you just there, like feeling so broken and lost. And I guess like he must have felt like the only person who would really understand. Yeah, exactly. Exactly how you felt in that moment. Like he would be able to completely relate to what. Whereas no one else, it felt like because you hadn't met people, you hadn't been to rehab yet, and met other alcoholics and addicts. Mm. Probably felt like you were just isolated from everyone else. Totally, he would. and it, it was sort of that thing of. It felt like if there was ever a moment, he he should have been there to give me anything. Yeah, it was then. Yeah, but he did, which was amazing with his book. So yeah, that was magical and life saving. 
It must have been really comforting to yeah. know that he's that you could do it because he did it. Mm. I guess. I oh, exactly. It was that show of, you know, I had I'd read the story that was like mine, and 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 you know, and the the end result was, I got through it. Mm. Um. So that was just the yeah you know a huge visual of maybe maybe that was the first sort of step of maybe I could do this, maybe this is possible. You know, because it was never my entire my entire life from the age of well, probably from the age of thirteen, maybe a bit later. Um, something that I thought I knew was sobriety was never on the cards for me. Mm. You know, so once I got that first couple months out of rehab, it was like I was on. Com- a complete pink cloud, as they call. I couldn't believe it, and actually, it almost got a bit dangerous after that because I got, I thought, I thought I'd got this. You know, I did. I didn't think that, or maybe I don't need to go to the program. I don't need to do the meetings. So I started doing something what we call doing being a, a dry drunk or white knuckling it, and that almost got just as painful as drinking. What were you doing then? Well, I just wasn't going. I just wasn't working my program or going to a meeting. Mm. I was, but I was sober. Mm. And what you realize through that is actually drinking and drug abuse is just the tip of the iceberg of what it is to be an addict. Mm. And doing the program and the work on yourself and sharing with people is what allows you to find a life worth living as opposed to just existing, Mm. you know, to better yourself, to understand what you're holding on to, what resentments, what's making you tick, to make amendments, to help others. Mm. You know, I love the saying, you know, we can can only keep what we have by giving it away. Mm. And that's, you know, really true in meetings. To, To keep my own sobriety, I need to give it to others who need it. Yeah. Set you talked in that article about um, the first like group session that you had, mm. and the person next to you had said how they were feeling, and then you were asked how you were feeling, and you said you were feeling okay, mm. and the counselor said that okay wasn't a feeling. Mm. Which oh, that annoyed me. <laughs> I think yeah, obviously it's such an annoying thing to yeah. say, but it's so true, right? And yeah. like I guess what I don't know. This is such a like deep question, but. Did what was it like learning how you were feeling? Because I feel like you know. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you once I figured it out. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Do you recognise your feelings now? I guess is what I mean. Yeah, I try to completely. You know, trying to, but that's that's also just the hardest thing in mm. in, in sobriety is being able to sit with hard emotions because mm. that's really also one of the big center points of what makes an addict drink mm. an uncomfortable feeling. Nope. I, I need I need something, mm. you know. Um, so when tough things have happened um, while I've been sober, my first initial reaction is always like, how the fuck can anyone do this sober? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but it always flips to actually, how can anyone do this and not have a program, not have people to check in on? Mm. Um, so yeah, that that realisation always comes. And that's that's amazing. Mm. Yeah, I don't need substance to deal with hard feelings mm. anymore. That's cool. That must feel amazing to, yeah, it's to freeing, yeah. continue to experience that. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. You said before about you, you know, a few months in and you felt like I've got this and you kind of went down the like dry drunk, mm. white knuckling it. Do you, I mean now, so you're three years be, into being sober? I'll be three years in July. Three years it's in July. It's a while away, but it's better to always say, I'll be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you still worry... Do you think there will always be a worry of slipping into complacency? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I think I think it's I'm in trouble if I ever start thinking I'm not a newcomer anymore. Yeah. Um and that's also, you know, a big danger with pride and ego. You know, I I I remember my um one well, a therapist at rehab gave me homework on doing pride and it got me so angry. And try talking your way out of not needing pride homework. It's impossible. <laughs> um, because, but I just didn't think, I just thought it was so irrelevant because, you know, I, I knew I was really ashamed. I thought that was my thing, you know, I didn't, what are you talking about pride? But it's a weird one, shame, because it kind of goes hand in hand with pride and ego. You know, why didn't I want to go out to be seen by people of what they might think of me? So pride plays a huge role in that. Um, and, you know, that's why, you know, believing in a higher power is such a big point of the programme because really it's not, you know, it's not religious at all. It's about admitting that you're not the most powerful thing, which still no addict wants to do. It's just funny. Yeah. Every time at the beginning of someone's journey, usually, me included, You'll you'll just think that you're so much better than the program. Mm. You'll be waking up on the street in a puddle of piss, choking on blood, and you'll still think, "Oh, well, I'm not part of those freaks." Yeah, <laughs> you know, those are the guys who got the real problem. Sort mm. your lives out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thriving. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look at me. <laughs> you're grim, all of you. <laughs> there are different schools of thought, though, aren't there? With recovery, mm. I'm no by no means an expert on this, but I've read a few things like, you know, people that say. There are two camps, right? Uh, one says that you will be an addict for the rest of your life and the other says that you have control over your addiction. There's a book. What's the book called? Recovery. Alcoholics Anonymous. No, it's um, it's called Recovery Something. And then Russell Brand sort of made a... He kind of rehashed it mm. for his own book. Basically, I, I had... Yeah, well, <laughs> Profiting off the programme. Yeah, well yeah, but it wasn't the... It was like a... Um, it was like a kind of like a rebuttal to Alcoholics Anonymous and it was, you know, to the program and it was, it was like, you know, you have the, only you have the power. Basically I had, I had an eating disorder and I, I went down uh -huh. that road of thinking that I had complete, I wanted to have complete power over my eating disorder. So mm -hmm. I, this is a long time ago now, but I read that book, I read Russell Brand's book and then I ended up reading this like brain over binge book, which was more specific to eating disorders. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, those that outlook didn't help me mm. in thinking, you know, and I was convinced that it that would. That you were powerless. That, that thinking that I had all the power, I thought that was what was ultimately going to get me out of an eating disorder, but interestingly, it didn't. Right. And it actually just made me, not well, kind of fail, like f feel like I was just failing again and again and again and thinking, but I've got the power, like what's happening? Mm, well, it's dangerous. I think if you go down to the school of thought that you do have the power, it implies that you can manage it. Mm. 
when for me it was managing the unmanageable. You know, I, I, I was to, I am powerless over it, except now that I've become well equipped enough, the only power I have is whether to have that first drink or not. Anything past that, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just a passenger. I'm totally powerless. But yeah, I, it's, I mean, my heart goes out to the eating disorders as well. I think it's the toughest one, you know, because I can give up drinking drugs. You can't drink, you can't give up food. It'd be like someone telling me you've got to have three drinks every day, never any more or less. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the tricky thing is like drugs alter brain chemistry, don't they? Like they mess with the brain chemistry, yeah. which is difficult. There's like a physio physiological addiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, none of fun. You wouldn't yeah. really want anyone. Nobody but wins. No, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> no. It's not a fun competition, but mm. it's just interesting to like, I, I, like, I'm interested to hear people's different takes on that and takes on recovery and I think it's similar with eating disorders like people will say like I will have an eating disorder for the rest of my life yeah and it's just something that I have to manage mm -hmm. day by day Do I think, think that I, I think it's probably where I stand as well yeah I don't yeah. actively say that or actively think that but I think so yeah I think there'll, there'll always be I think we've talked about it before like my therapist always says it's like when you break your knee yeah and then the bone will heal but that bone will always be a little bit sore and it'll never be quite the same as it was before it was right. broken and it'll it'll if it's if you're tired or you you walk too much it'll get sore and mm. I think it, I think it's like that but well anyway, it's also I suppose do you believe that you'd ever be to the point of a civilian of what a normal person thinks about food you know and if not then yes you are yeah. you are part of that category yeah, yeah. because it's something that needs work on every day yeah. to be on top of it where actually you know that's a huge part of addiction as well as well you know it's understanding what normal is yeah you know, I remember someone in rehab um, he was just in such denial about it all <laughs> and he was saying you know I don't belong here there are times you know I only had one drink and the therapist turned and went only an alcoholic remembers the time he only had one drink yeah. <laughs> because that's totally normal thing to do yeah. <laughs> yeah does it ever overwhelm you to think that this will be something that you have to work at continue to work at for the rest of your life or have you made peace with that no, I feel very lucky. Yeah. I do. I, I feel, you know, if if you were a betting man three years ago, you would not have bet that I'd be here. So everything past this point is just a bonus for me. And, you know, I'd much rather be an addict on this side of the fence than not an addict at all. Yeah. You know, I think it's it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to be a part of, that I've got rooms all over the world that I can walk into and not only do they understand me, but they're rooting for me. Very few people have that. And it's, you know, it's, it's an amazing sort of celebration that we're all still here. So, yeah. You describe yourself as an addict and you will always be an addict. And you had this predispos predisposition to addiction. Your dad, after he stopped drinking and doing drugs, started buying lots of suits. <laughs> Did you, have you bought, have you found an addiction that isn't... <laughs> <laughs> no suit um, but did you is, have you found anything else that your addictive personality le leans uh, towards yeah all the time uh, you've mm -hmm. got to, and it's something you've got to be careful of mm. you know a, 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 everything is different there's no one who's really in my opinion who is an alcoholic but I'm totally okay with gambling you know it's everything has to yeah 
it, it has to be treated differently. And it yeah. gets to gambling, shopping, sex, love, mm. everything. And yeah, it's down to also obsession. Yeah. Is that something you can take into meetings now as you have dealt with your, you don't have to answer this, but as you've dealt with your, the two sort of like active addictions that were, that had such a hold on your life. If you feel something creeping into your life in another way now, is that something that you can take? Like, yeah, totally. And there's also, there's, there's so many different rooms for all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Codependency. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all about just being honest. Yeah. And I don't, always succeed in doing that but the real two things that are most in my power is be honest and turn up Mm. and so that try I try to get that just on autopilot within me and yeah again you know I don't always succeed at it but it's it's the two things that I really try and hold dear Mm. (laughs) I don't know if this is like too dark or like I'm being too like (laughs) but have you since rehab, have you got close to picking up a drink, to having a drink? Um, it's really hard to know. Yeah. Because I don't know, you know, I, you fantasise and almost uh, in a comical way quite a lot with myself, I, I do with myself. But it's, it's hard to know how close I am. But um, I don't think so. I'd like to say I don't think so. Because... I, you know, I'm, I feel very lucky to have been such an extreme side of an addict that I know, I, I can't go back there. I, I, it's very clear to me. If I fall, I probably won't come back. Um, and, you know, they say, yeah, there's two types of addict or alcoholic, which is the topper-upper and the binge drinker. Uh, I was just an avid topper-upper, which just means I was always drunk. But the binge drinker, can hold down a life and, you know, say to themselves, well, I haven't drunk in a week, you know, I'm fine, but then completely lose their shit on Saturday. And it's very dangerous. I always think the binge drink is much more dangerous because you've got justifications in your life to know, oh, and those are the people I always see come in and out of the rooms. Really? Yeah, because they're like, oh, I'm fine. No, I'm not. Oh, but I can do this. No, I'm not. And it's just like, give up, give up the fight. There you go. You do seem as happy now as I've ever, <laughs> I, di- I didn't know you very well through. More than the, queuing up for Harry Potter. Yeah. Which this I couldn't is, read. This yeah. is as happy <laughs> that was. <laughs> he's happier than he was in Harry Potter. Seven that up. is something, isn't it? You do seem so well and oh, so happy. And I know I'm watching social media, but talking to you and just, I don't know, like, you just seem really well. And really happy, and it's lovely. Thank you. You too. I am. So you're a full-time chef now? Yeah. Yeah? Well, I do. So I do private catering for... Amazing. Do you ever do vegan food? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God, do you actually? of course. Oh, my God, sold. Okay. (laughs) Um, Before we go, I just wanted to finish something, read something from your dad's book, if you don't mind. Of course. And it's only because you sat opposite me with your sleeves rolled up Mm. this whole time. (laughs) Oh, I know. I saw that today. Um... 
But your dad said as as the finisher to his book, okay, that really is the end of the smugness and that wasn't what I'm proud of. I'm proud that none of my children nor either of their mothers ever had to deal with me being drunk or out of it. The constant fear is that this is a hereditary condition that I might pass on the faulty gene, the receptor that doesn't have an off switch. But at least I won't compare the inheritance with learnt behaviour not both nurture and nature. Three of them have got varying degrees of dyslexia and they have me to thank for that. And I have made three unbreakable family rules, no tattoos, no motorbikes and no heroin. The heroin is negotiable. I know what to do about heroin. Yeah, he always used to bring up those three to Isaac as well. He went, you can't break all three like your brother has. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of tattoos. (laughs) It's a lot of tattoos. So yeah, I get one every time I'm having a crisis, so I'm running out of skin. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god I'd love that yeah. I'd be so covered you would be yeah. I would be head to toe oh I'd love that so you'd right, have well, to start with little like dots I think, yeah. I think so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like pricks completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah just one big prick eventually <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> thank you so much for thank coming you. on thank you thanks for having me it's been a pleasure what's your company called we'll put it in the show notes for Gordon and Gill check it out yeah Gordon and Gill Gordon and Gill yeah thank you so much thanks guys take care should I delete that is part of the ACAS Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.